0: Hey guys, so two things before we get started. Lamide, aka Lamisco, will be joining me on this episode as Aura is taking a hiatus that she'll tell you all about in the next episode. Also, we're going to be talking about the NSARS protests of October 2020, and this episode will contain references to the events of October 20th, 2020. All right, let's start the show.
1: In October 2020, Nigerians made history. We had the longest protest the country has seen in the past five decades. And at the forefront of this movement was us, the young Nigerians. The end-size protests were triggered by a viral video of a man in Delta State who was shot by SARS. And this led to the streets of Lagos, Abuja, Potakot, Toronto, London, Washington, overflowing with people demanding just one thing for the police to stop killing us. As far as
0: Nigeria's protest history goes, one of this scale was simply unheard of. And Nigerians do protest. Sadly, police brutality is a normal thing. It's not new. We've had several NSARS movements before, and this unit has been put up for reform at least five times in the past, with nothing being achieved. But why did this NSARS movement have the impacts that it did? I mean, we lost our faith in challenging the government a very long time ago.
1: Now, guys, this is still a food podcast, but we're young Nigerians, so we had to find a way to commemorate a year since the NSARS protest. We realized that many things define the protest of October 2020. From the international coverage, I mean, I was in Canada and I I knew everything that was happening as it was happening. Thanks to social media as another factor, the pandemic, the strong Nigerian diaspora. But the one factor that a lot of people forget is that of food. Mm. Yeah, like the population is living in poverty and perpetually starving. You cannot underestimate the impact that giving people three square meals a day can have.
0: Absolutely. Nigerians are highly motivated by food. And as the NSARS protest started gaining traction, we watched millions of Nigerians everywhere. Crowdfunding on social media, GoFundMes, people opening crypto accounts, sending Bitcoin just to feed protesters across the country. And that is a huge part of what kept things going. In a place where poverty and food are regularly used to control the masses, Nigerians started to take their power back. They started to take their voices back, one meal at a time.
1: And this just closed the barrier between our communities. Disenfranchised communities came out and they protested because they knew they were being fed. And even though they came for the food, they stayed because they felt cared for. In those weeks, there was no class, there was no tribe,
0: there was no religion. All Nigeria's dividing lines faded into one country asking that all the lives be treated equally.
1: What we saw was that the protest grounds evolved into a place for healing, to to vent about your frustrations and a place for people to dance. But most importantly, it became a place for people to collectively grieve the loss of friends Fathers, sisters, and sons, it became a place of hope.
0: It has now been a year post SARS, and as we reflect on the events that changed all our lives, everyone remains united on one thing. The impact of the N-SARS movement owed so much to food. And that's what we're digging into today. There will be no theme music for this episode. Instead, We'll have a moment to remember those who lost their lives at the Leki Tollgate on October 20th, 2020. be forgiven if you came to Nigeria during election season and thought, wow, is there a block party going on? There are posters, there is loud-ass music, the streets are crowded with people, and there is so much food in circulation. During election season, Nigerian politicians have a very familiar strategy. They start handing out bags of beans, rice, dairy, instant noodles, and that might look like a very bizarre political strategy anywhere else in the world, but it fits very well into the Nigerian system. What I'm talking about is a system where there's a facade of voting on top and the underground system where hunger is being weaponized and food becomes the currency.
2: Was food in abundance, sha. so I, I I just used to drink cocktails like because it was free and why not? Like, <laughs> but I remember that I had like really mad amala, and that was my, my friend brought amala. There was rice and all, but that day I was like, let me just throw amala, like something different. It was mad, and I kept wishing the next day that like it was going to bring amala again. Yeah, man,
0: Horridi Ugundia is the co founder of More Branches. They're a digital publication that covered Nigerian pop culture, and they also covered the NSARS process and movements intently. Corey stopped by the studio to speak with me about what it was like to be there at the grounds at the time. So you were there, you were there from day one, um, but you stayed for like, I remember on the phone, you told me you for like a week, you kept on coming out. What was the difference from day one to like day seven when food, more food and donations started pouring in in terms of turnout and also energy?
2: Food really made a big difference. Like we kept multiplying by the day, and it wasn't just in Lekki; it was across everywhere. I mean, people were even seeing the kind of donations that were going online. So there were jokes on social media about uh, ah, let's go and eat our food today. (laughs) There were people that would say, "Ah, what do you feel like eating today? If if you want pancakes, go to Lekki. If you want this, go like they were already vegetarian options. yeah, Yeah, at some point they were making food for vegetarians, so. It was so much fun, I mean.
0: So we're talking about the NSARS process, and I feel like now, that phrase kind of has a life of its own. It's just, it's not disconnected from the movement, but it's become something so big. So you were there at the protest grounds, you covered the protest intently through your publication. Can you kind of remind us of why people were coming out during that period? What was going on?
2: I remember that the first day of the ENSAS protest was, we just had one mission, shall I go out and like, block the roads. But like, numbers grew from 500 to 1000. But there were a lot of hotspots in Lagos, and By the next day, it was already, it was big on social media and like more people were coming out. But at some point, it was more than a protest. And um, this was because like food entered the equation. I think I think what we saw from like the second third day was, um, was more than answers. Now I mean it was end bad governance in Nigeria. Like because there are people coming now like with different problems. It wasn't just about police brutality. You see people. I mean there were seventy year old like. Nigerians at the protest, it can definitely not be SARS that was their business there. But um, it was just a moment of like national consciousness.
0: So I can imagine it was a time where people felt very cared for and like mm-hmm. there was a lot of community. And people needed that at that time because I know, you know, as somebody that's out there, you probably have your own story of an encounter with SARS. Yeah mind sharing that with us?
2: Um, I would say, I have many stories with SARS, and like, if you're a young person in Lagos, especially if you go out at night also, and like, you're definitely <laughs> going to be stopped by SARS. And there's this thing where they don't even care to like, know your occupation or whatever sometimes.
0: And you are, what are you doing? To Do she? Or he? Or her? Huh? nephew.
2: As long as you're with an iPhone, or they just make their own conclusions, or even it could be just in a crypto app on your phone.
0: So, as a journalist, you work in Nigeria, you gather stories from Nigeria, you know the division, you know the friction in this country. What was it like hearing so much unity at a time of so much upheaval? Hearing Nigerians say, we're all one, we're all fighting the same thing, I don't care whether you're Muslim, I don't care whether you're Christian, I don't care whether you're this or that, let's fight this together.
2: Some people like to discredit the entire like movement and say nothing was really achieved, um, especially because like lives were lost painfully, um, and like till now the government is still not taking responsibility, and they want us to act like they even from caressing them to even say okay they there were some live bullets, um, live rounds shot that day. I saw a newspaper headline on October 1st, or um, I mean October 20th, that like discredited the whole thing and it was championed by the government. So I think that this 2023 election is is probably going to be like one of the toughest so far because um, more youth are going to be engaged. Like for the first time, um, even by data, like a lot of people have never voted in their lives, are going to be voting this time around including me, Um, I just registered for my PVC. Um, I could the last time, but like, I didn't really care. But now I know that like, the decision also lies with me. Now, do I want to keep like, encountering police brutality and all of these things? Um, So I definitely know I do need to go vote.
1: You see, the impact of this movement was global. I've lived in Canada for so long and honestly this was one of the largest protests I've ever seen whether it was Toronto, Edmonton or Calgary. I was in Edmonton and protesting in minus 15 degree weather. It was that big of an effect. But still wondering like what made it so different from the rest? That's like
0: a very timely and important question and I think the answer is like COVID. Mm. <laughs> like it is the pandemic. Mm. Everybody was indoors, watching the same TV, on the same social media, just trying to get some updates on this like thing that nobody had any handle on that was spreading and, and um, affecting all our lives. Mm. But things were at a standstill. That's what it meant. People couldn't just go back to the routines of their day to day. So that collective amnesia that tends to wash after us after we hear about police killing this person and bandits mm. attacking this person—it was interrupted. People had to sit in it. They had to marinate in it. Yeah. So across the world, as people were watching Derek Chauvin suffer, Case, George Floyd, in the same year that they were watching a young boy in Rio de Janeiro be killed by the police, mm. and then finally seeing that video of the man in Delta State, it became so much more difficult to ignore the fact that the world is experiencing a global pandemic. Yes, but Black people everywhere were experiencing too. We're dealing with a deadly virus
1: and we're dealing with our police forces. Yeah. So as Nigerians stood on protest grounds all over the world in Lagos, London, basically every major city in every continent, we went on to participate in the largest, most organized and widely spread protest that Nigeria had ever seen. And all while in the middle of a pandemic. A year later, there are many answers as to why and how this movement actually created the impact it did. But once again, that one factor, it stands out. It was party jollof rice, okay? Small chops, sandwiches, even soft amala and newidu. They had soft amala and (laughs) iwedu on the protest grounds. So, I mean, it was plenty delicious food. The government saw that
0: Nigerians were using food to fuel a global movement. And after October 20th, it's almost like the response was, if it is food that you people want,
1: we have it. Just four days after the shootings at the Lucky toll gate, Nigerians learned that the government had been keeping food supplies that had been donated and meant for pandemic relief in warehouses scattered across the country.
0: Yeah, I won't say I was surprised. I mm-hmm. won't pretend that I was shocked. <laughs> but again, this is Nigeria. Food is very political, so it's nothing new. What was interesting is that these fines magically started happening, as you said, just as the end process that had begun earlier in the month came to that very sad and violent end
1: at the Lecky gates. Now, Ada, all of a sudden, people in Lagos all over the country but specifically Lagos because that one was funny they turned into Sherlock Holmes or, or no they were like our own detective fascia- inspector fascia. <laughs> inspector <laughs> Fashion. yes and they started discovering all these warehouses all over the country stocked with food stuff like rice Gary and Indomie <laughs> <you> Indomie remember.
0: <laughs> how can a government how can you hold Indomie it, it's,
1: it's intolerable it's provocative. But the timing of these discoveries was mad suspect. Very, very suspect. I mean, here me may
0: be some investigative music, Joyce, because what I want to know is why was most of the food expired? Why did COVID palaces remain undistributed at the end of October when we know that states had been in lockdown since March? Oh God. And just why? Why, why were these warehouses suddenly being discovered right after the government sent the army to the Lekki toll gate on the 20th of October,
1: 2020 to disrupt protests? Such a coincidence. Mm. We may never know the answers to those questions, but what is undeniable is that it fits the Nigerian government's long track record of weaponizing poverty, hunger, and food for political gain. Remember when the term stomach infrastructure hit public consciousness in 2014? I was like, man, that makes so much sense. It makes a lot of sense because that is
0: Nigerian politicians' ammo. <laughs> Manufacture mass hunger, leave people delirious, yeah. desperate, mm-hmm. tired, hungry, and easy to manipulate, easy to control.
1: It honestly summed up the relationship between Nigeria's food and politics in one simple phrase.
0: Yep, and there was no clearer example of this than in 1967 to 1970, the Civil War, Mm. when people predominantly from Southeastern Nigeria were killed. One of the ways that the Nigerian armed forces fought against Biafrans was by constantly intercepting food supplies and eventually starving millions of them to death. That's just one example. And we didn't even need to go that far into our history because we can literally see this happening in real time. Mm -hmm. We witnessed it last year when COVID relief supplies were hoarded and eventually used as a way to brand starving Nigerians as hooligans, thugs, vandals. Just absolutely disgusting, you know? With the ongoing pandemic, rates of food insecurity are only worsening. What this means is that millions of Nigerians cannot afford to produce, consume, make... Buy like the, the food, the distance between them and food is just that dearth just keeps on
1: widening and widening oh, yeah. and widening. And pretty much half of our population already lives in poverty. And more and more, we see that Nigeria is on the lowest rungs of the standard of living literally, every the bar index, is in hell. Every index, exactly. Yeah. And the hunger is symptomatic. It is. This hunger that is symptomatic of this poverty somehow still remains the subject of international aid and development. Very suspect. <laughs> we all know the ads now, like uh, feed, uh, donate a dollar and you'll help an African child today. <laughs> help his family to find uh, to buy goats or help or him build a well for for him and his community. A, a like for him to till the land. <laughs> like, but the truth is that Nigerian hunger or African hunger, as in general, is. Treated like an innate feature of blackness because the leaders allow it. It's that framing helps us to forget that hunger is a condition created and weaponized by a corrupt government Mm. because a starving population will always be easier to control. Facts.
0: See, we can be here all day if we want to talk about how hungry Nigeria is as a country. But the most important takeaway is that from its inception as an independent nation, as an independent state, Food has been the Nigerian government's biggest bargaining chip. Mm
3: -hmm. It has
0: been the biggest weapon in their arsenal. Mm -hmm. It has been their go-to source of ammunition. Always. Always.
3: Food and the Feminist Coalition's use of food had two significances. It's because when people talk about feminism, feminist statements, you know, women should not have to be long in the kitchen, women should not have to be taking care of the household, and all that stuff... It's kind of like we we did turn it on its head because the feminist coalition was instrumental in feeding people, which is something that has always been seen as a traditional women's role and something that we have, we as feminists have tried to, have always, you know, tried to rebel against. But in this case, it's like we use this thing that's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be so important to all women everywhere, cooking, food, and all that stuff, and we we used it in such a revolutionary way, and I just think that it was, it was just so great.
0: Trisima is a journalist and content producer who wrote a piece for the Republic Journal called Feminism is for the People. It's about how women and feminism have always been a part of Nigeria's liberation history. Like we said earlier in the episode, a lot of things came together to make this movement what it was from the international coverage to the way the movement spread across the diaspora and the pandemic it was all happening in. But when it comes to food and how it made these protests, that story is incomplete without the women who organized and rallied to keep Nigerians everywhere fed and protected.
3: Looking back, nobody would have even expected that something as little as a tweet would start, would spur on something as big as the entire movement. But essentially, on October 8th, FK Abudu tweeted out um, a call for donations. Someone was trying to feed 50 protesters at Alausa, which was like one of the earliest protest locations. And I think literally in 30 minutes, she had raised FK.
0: When we talk about food in Nigeria, the conversation inevitably turns to women and how we are supposed to be the ones that do the cooking, how we are duty-bound by it. However, during the protests, we saw Nigerian women use their biggest negative stereotype as a powerful force for resistance. And because it's considered women's work, it is routinely undervalued and underestimated. In the same breath, politicians run this country on stomach infrastructure. So it's like somebody is lying about how important food is. Somebody is being facetious about how important food is to the economy, to politics, to social life, to cultural life. Because when you're associated with women, you must diminish it. But now, it is clear for the world to see that food gave us the longest protest in this country that we've had in the past five decades or like since independence, food did that
3: even though we've never seen something like this before we've never seen the kind of structures and systems that we're able to put up people still find it so hard people i think people think it was easy you know because people think maybe that's that's where the problem started from people people did not realize how difficult setting all this up was and i think i mentioned this last time we spoke how women are experts nigerian women are experts at protesting because we've had to do this time and time again so we already have built all these networks and so that's maybe maybe that's why nigeria thought was it was just means to do all this and So. I like that you, you stated that
0: women have always protested in Nigeria, and I love that your article not only says that but gives us that timeline, of you know from pre-colonial times to colonial times. Can you run our audience through that, like a quick brief history lesson?
3: Well, oh, I'm sure a lot of these have not been documented. Um, but some that I did mention were in 1929, we had the Aba Women's Riot, also called the Women's War, which I think is one of the most popular demonstrations in Nigeria. Um, I also talked about in 1939, the Dagos Market Women's Association, protesting um, this time they wrote petitions they hired lawyers and it did remind me of, of what we did during NSARS and, um, I talked about formula Ransom Kuti in 1940 leading their bellcutta women's Union again about protesting against taxation. Maybe there is something to be said about money and women. And then in the present day, market march, where they were, um, they were chanting, stop touching us um, in markets, you know, it's, it's become such a Such such an accepted thing. If you go to the market, you have to wear jeans because you know people are going to touch you. But they were like, no, we don't have to accept this actually. So that was one. And then Angel Onuka I think this was 2019, I'm not sure, when police officers raped sex workers and they protested um, against that as well. So, so many, many, many examples. It was
0: really interesting to see how food was politicized, or how food has always
3: been politicized in Nigeria.
0: But then during this movement, it was almost like a turntable situation, where instead of the politicians being able to use food to um, control the masses, the masses were using food to like organize against politicians.
3: People would just be like, there's no reward. I'm just risking my life with no reward, so yeah when we talk about feminism people think we're just trying to advance women and we're trying to like throw men in some dungeon and i do think that feminism should prioritize women but the thing is prioritizing women is good for the society as a whole the feminist coalition is a feminist organization and when they talked about n obviously women's safety and advancing a better nigeria was was beneficial for women Women having rights, women being equal to men, which is, you know, bare-bones feminism, but let's just talk about it in that light. All these things help the entire society. It wasn't just the
0: presence of women. It wasn't just that, okay, women were showing up and and showing us and feeding people. That wasn't the only thing that made it feminist. I think, like, and we've discussed this um, prior, the ethic of care. It, it wasn't a situation where um, it wasn't about a charismatic young leader telling everybody to sacrifice themselves. So it wasn't lay down your life for the cause. It was come, we will feed you what you need. How can we help you? This is your community. You're safe here. And I I feel like that was what was feminist about that that she that redefinition of what is power, what is protest what is community and it was very it was beautiful to see and like revolutionary to experience when people think about revolutions and movements that have gone on to change the world the stories that get told are the ones about charismatic leaders and huge irreversible personal sacrifices
1: and you know, Adad, these stories are very important, but they're just highlights of the actual resistance, the one that is only possible through small, consistent acts of community and care.
0: The ENSAAS protests lasted over two weeks and spread across Nigeria and into the diaspora. It was Nigeria's longest protest in recent history, and every young Nigerian can agree that they hadn't experienced that sense of unity probably in their entire lifetime.
1: Yep.
0: A year later, and the victims of SARS, the people who have lost their loved ones at the hands of the police, they have received no justice. The judicial panel that was set up to investigate people's complaints was nothing more than a
1: farce. Hmm. I mean, they were compensated, but it's nothing more than a stalling tactic because how do you put a price on life?
0: How do you, if my killer, my, my my loved one's killer, my mother's
1: killer, my father's kill streets. There's a lot on the loose. What is justice? What justice has been served? Because, I mean, we know there's a lot of money in this country, so you're just, what, gonna give the next family another amount of money? And- is, that, is
0: that enough? Is that the price of your life?
1: Is, you can't put a price online. You can't. And the, the gravity of what happened, we're not talking about one, one to 10 people. It was a massacre. That's and right. they felt like they could just pick random people and create a panel panel to correct what was what people
0: really people ha- were coming out talking about loved ones they had lost since 1995 like since 1999. people I, who had who had been in the bottom of, of leaks oh, in anambra yeah, states
1: in anambra state for but, for over 10 years and people how do you rectify that people, and people, still, people, people, came people up.
0: the officers are known so we are we are very much justified in thinking that there's no hope nobody that's can it. blame us that's it and maybe hope in the country isn't the point mm-hmm. Cause at this point, you can't force anybody to believe in Nigeria. Anybody that wants to jack I guess it's you're not safe. Yeah, you're not you're not safe, you're you're not cared for. The government doesn't give two shits about you. But but maybe it's not hope in Nigeria. Maybe it's hope in each other. Mm-hmm. Because nobody forced us to donate. Nope. You know, people stood up, opened their wallets, opened their hearts, opened their homes and decided to help each other. Nobody told us to keep each other safe, but we did. Mm-hmm. We saw who we really were outside of the hunger, outside of the, the desperation and destitution that our government manufactures for us yeah. to keep us in discord and to keep us fighting. Yeah. And maybe that glimpse is the victory yeah. because for the first time in a long time, Nigerians were able to break bread together and really see each other.
4: When it last started, I'm a Uber man, and every day I work in Lekki. I, I always be there for hours. Free food, free water, everything. What kind of water? <laughs> there's a drink, there's a pure... No, there's no pure water. There's a bottle of water and a <laughs> drink. Drink. What I mean by drink is mineral yes, and all sir. these uh, wines. Yes, now cocktails. Yes, yes, everything. No. Small shops. <laughs> you eat morning, afternoon, and night. You don't even know where the food is coming. You've just been giving before you eat this one finish, another one is down. So it's a very good experience. It's a very good thing. Government don't feed anybody in that instance, mm-hmm. protest. It's a people, individual, that feed people there. Mm-hmm. That these people are really trying. They are there, morning, afternoon, the night, so that they want the crowd to be more. So they are they give people food free. You will see them bringing it. If government is bringing something now, they will be telling people. You will, there will see. Up. There will be video now, <laughs> and they will, they will say that it's government. You will see their Same. their car. You will see their bus. You will see their. It's from Lagos State, Kiniko, Kinikoko, but nothing like that. Mm. You cannot even see any Lagos State car there or bus. Mm. Individual people. They are giving food, giving water. You cannot even bring pure water there. Your pure water, they will send you back with your pure water. They are telling people that we are not suffering here. We are good to go. Even if it is for one year, we are good to go. There is a food. A lot of things. Change a lot of things. Mm. You know, government are just saying, they are just saying lie. They are just talking rubbish. They are not not bringing any food to that place. For me, 24 hours are the day there. Morning food afternoon. I even carry bottle water go out that day. <laughs> carry bottle water. Two to pack. They give it to me. When there is enough enough of water. Yes. that's That's on ground. That people yes. people cannot finish it. Yes, they cannot finish it. Before they finish that one, another one have come. Tomorrow. Tomorrow another food. One. And they are giving shirts. They are giving a lot of things. They are encouraging people. Mm. Nothing like stealing, nothing like fighting, nothing like people are as fighting ourselves there mm-hmm. but what we are saying today we, we want we don't want uh, we want answers uh, yeah. and police brutality that's all what we don't want mm-hmm. so that's it and no, no government that is feeding anybody we are feeding ourselves at that time there's nothing like uh hebrew yoruba Awusa. that time everybody showed that we are one oh, this is what we want this is what we are going for we are going forward no coming back Back, 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 back,
0: back, back. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. The Uncooked Woman podcast is produced by ASO Originals and RCD Studios. Our sound engineer is Adisha Gumbelo, sound designer, Joyce Olong, additional sound design by Joshua Hazi, and mixed and mastered by Adisha Gumbelo. Also, a special shout out to our co-producer and wannabe uncooked woman, joshua
3: make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcast and also leave us a rating on apple Podcasts. to see more of what we get up to behind the scenes and for extra content follow us on social media at uncooked women